0: personalization is key. Add some personalization, be real with people. The cadences that your marketing group helps you create, that's not you. Add an element of you to the emails you send and the voicemails you leave and text messages and the social touches. They need that element of who you are.
1: Welcome to the Sales Prescription Podcast with Ron Halbert and Rusty Jensen. You know, there's all kinds of problems that can prevent you from being successful, both personally and professionally. And we are here to write you some highly effective and broad-spectrum sales prescriptions, and all you have to do is fill them. You know, today our topic is part of a series. We'll have a couple of episodes on this because I think this is critical to anybody when it comes to prospecting, marketing, and being able to engage with your prospects and have a lot of success. We're talking about sequence and cadence design. So jumping right into it, Ron, what are we talking about? When we yeah. say we need to build sequences, cadences,
0: and designing those, what, what are we talking about? It's funny, Rusty, this is a pretty hot topic, I think, because mm-hmm. it's up for debate at every organization that I've been in. So the debate is, what should a cadence look like? What should be included in my cadences? How often should I be reaching out? Like, And it's oftentimes turns into a debate between departments. It turns mm-hmm. into a debate between inbound and outbound teams, it turns into debate between different segments. So like, should I be reaching out with as much frequency to enterprise as I do to SMB? And really like this heavy debate is something that can cause some contention in an organization. So what's really cool is... We've done a ton of research on this over time. Mm -hmm. Rusty's been a part of it. We've actually included some vendors to help us do some research. We've gathered some information from companies like SalesLoft. We've talked to Serious Decisions. We've talked to Insight Partners. We've been able to gather a lot of detail around what makes a good sequence, what makes a good cadence. And I use cadence and sequence synonymously, right? Knowing that two of the bigger players out there are outreach and sales loft and they use different terminology. So we're trying we're trying to make sure everybody understands we're talking about the, you know, both of those. But what are they? Like what are cadences? What are sequences and why do they matter? Basically, a sales developer or a sales rep just needs to know First, once I've decided who I'm going to target, now I need to know when should I call them? Mm -hmm. When should I send an email? When should I do any form of reach out, right? And organization, we've talked about this before, is a key reason why people fail is they are unorganized. And creating a cadence and using a sales engagement platform like a sales loft or outreach, or there's plenty of other vendors out there as well, and using any of them is what's going to help you stay organized despite the fact that you're reaching out to multiple people at the same time. Mm -hmm. I mean, you should be, in a lot of cases, reaching out to around 100 people at a time. And it doesn't mean you have to call all 100 every day. But when should I call them? That's what you do is you create these sequences so that day one, it tells you I should do step one and two, which is call and email, right? That might be the two first steps as an example. Day two, I need to send a social message, whatever else. So that is a cadence or a sequence. It's just telling you when you should make the activity, when you should do the reach out and
1: how often and what types.
0: Correct. Right. Right. Because you're not going to call somebody one time. Just place one phone call, then move on. Yeah, you say that, but there's a lot of people that do. <laughs> it doesn't work. right? It's funny. I was uh, telling Rusty this earlier. I was thinking about this. I don't remember the last time that I got two voicemails from the same person. Like, it's pretty uncommon for people to consistently reach out to multiple people. And Rusty and I were talking about, like, it needs to feel like everywhere you turn, you see them, right? It's like they're seeing like, oh, there's Rusty on my email. Oh, there's Rusty in my social touch oh, there's Rusty on my voicemail. Everywhere you go, you see Rusty and then you're like, oh man, I need to, I should reach out to Rusty. It has to be that way. Because,
1: you know, sometimes you think as a person who's busy in business, you just feel like, okay, if if I just ignore them, maybe they'll just go away. <laughs> and you know what? Sometimes they do. In fact, a lot of times they just go away. Yep. But if everywhere you turn around, you keep seeing them popping up, you know what I mean? You're, you turn around, you open your email, there they are You get a phone call, you get a voicemail, you see them on LinkedIn and you you take the garbage out into the dumpster and they pop out of there. You know, that's, that's awesome. Like that's, that's where you're going to get traction.
0: And we've mentioned this before, but like I view a response, them answering the phone or them responding to an email as them stepping into my office. And I can never really be successful until someone steps into my office, until someone is willing to engage me in a conversation so this sequence or this cadence is just designed to facilitate a conversation between you and the person that you're talking to. How do I get them to respond? And a response of not being the right person or a no, I'm not interested, that's good because that saves you from continued reach outs to them. So getting any response should be viewed as a positive thing. Now let's talk individual tactics within these sequences, Rusty, because I love how when you create these sequences or cadences, you need to make sure I use both those terms, I guess, you include multiple channels. What are the different channels that you include in your sequences?
1: You know, a lot of times the basics, when you think about reaching out to anybody, the things we think about are calls and emails. That's what you think about. And I think a lot of people think a little too much about emails and don't do enough calls. But that's what you think about. But if you step back and you look at how people do business, how they conduct business and the different platforms and communication mechanisms that they touch, you really need to engage all of them. And you need to engage different tactics that are creative. Now, it depends on your level of investment. In certain situations, you may only use inexpensive options. But if you're going after certain types of prospects, people you really want to talk to, you can use a lot more expensive or creative options. So when we talk about tactics, let's look at a couple. So first, calls and coupling those with voicemails. Both are two different interactions. When you place a phone call, they see calls coming in, you talk to them verbally, of course. Voicemails also come through, and you can use voicemails to communicate with people, and sometimes they're sent via text, or they're dropped in messaging systems. The next is then emails, which we know. You can also use LinkedIn through social media connection through messaging. But there's different types of tactics as well. So when we design a cadence and we, we talk about some of the different tactics in social media, there's actually multiple. So one is even viewing a profile. Mm-hmm. Another is connecting. Another is sending a message. Another is making a post and referencing a company or referencing an individual or going and then commenting on their posts and their activity. So when you build a cadence, you can actually use multiple different touches on the social side.
0: And we're going to do a whole thing on social at some point here. Oh, yeah. But it's funny because there's this whole thing going around like don't connect and sell. Everyone hates connect and sellers. Like it's when you send a connection request and in the request, you're writing, hey, do you want to buy my products? Basically, right. right. That's a connect and sell. Right. They don't like that. No. And it doesn't work. They'll just ignore you. Right. Right.
1: So then we got through certain of the LinkedIn messages that the tactics Then you can start doing other things like gifts. So gifting is a big component. I mean, people like gifts. It does open things up. It does soften the beaches. Also, personalized video is another way of doing it. Personalized video messages. And those have incredible effect depending on the situation. You can also communicate through things like SMS. So text messages. You want to be careful with that. We don't want to spamify that too much. But you can use them in certain situations. But Then you can also get kind of wild. And a little bit different you can do things like
0: celebrity messages do you remember that time we did a celebrity message was it a volleyball player I'm yes we were trying to get into a, a company yeah and
1: there was an individual there she was a decision maker she was kind of a big influencer inside this company it's a very large company you're talking fortune 500 and the potential opportunity for there was millions of dollars yep and based on our super secret spyware we were using we could tell that she was actually in market To, at this time, it was at NICE, purchase contact center technologies. She's researching it. We know, we see, but she will not get back to us. So, we actually had Jonathan Salambini, who is running our our strategic enterprise prospecting group, and Nate Thompson. The two of them were collaborating, saying, okay, we're going to get into this account. And what they did is they actually hired Misty May Trainer, right? Olympic volleyball player, awesome, and... She did a 30-second video about why they need to get back in touch with Sal.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and absolutely worked. Absolutely worked. I mean, I'm a huge Yankee fan. Someone wants to get a hold of me and they have like Aaron Judge or or Garrett Cole or Gene Carlos Stanton or you know Glaber Torres, any of those guys leaving me a message, a video message, you're for sure getting a conversation out of that, right? Oh yeah. People that are big fans of people or sports or whatever. That can be very effective.
1: It will. Absolutely. Now it can be expensive. So make sure you're you're picking your targets. But right. then there's even the old school things. There's the old school tactics, which nobody uses anymore, which means that they're actually getting attention. Yep. So I remember growing up there's always junk mail. Well, now there's not even that much mail. So, you know, send somebody a personalized note, send them a dollar bill and say, there's a lot of value in our potential relationship. I'm investing in our relationship, put a little net on it, whatever, (laughs) and have as a part of your cadence, have people showing up.
0: Yeah. So we, so this was really, really cool. Again, you, again, when you're doing really deep stuff like this, you got to be picky about who you do this with. Right. But in one of our sequences that we had done in the past, we worked with the field rep in San Francisco and, they lived in downtown san francisco and we had been trying to get a hold of a person at a company and finally we started setting up steps in the sequence where the field sales rep would go to the office building with like a little basket of of some you know gifts or goodies or whatever for the person and physically show up and what was interesting is a couple times he would show up and discover the person we were reaching out to was the total wrong person And that's probably why they weren't responding. But then he's there standing in the office building, talking to the secretary. The secretary is much more likely to say, oh, yeah, it's actually this other person you need to talk to. Right. And so it worked really well. And obviously, if you're a sales developer listening to this, you can't you know, this is this is tough to duplicate for you to show up. But if you can work with your sales rep and have them, if they live in the territory in the field, have them show up, that's not a bad way to go.
1: Yeah. And, and it's hard to ignore somebody in the lobby, yep. you know, uh, Ron, there's uh, somebody out there in the lobby. Yeah. Right. <laughs> except, except one thing I'm probably not so proud of is my dad used to show up at my office sometimes. <laughs> <Unannounced>. <laughs> and he used to walk through the office and be like, I'm so proud of my son. And, you know, grab people's cheeks. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. and so I do have to admit I did shamefully. Tell the receptionist I was too busy a couple times. <laughs> Send him away. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's hard to ignore that. It's also hard to ignore things like video. Yep. And the personalization of of a video and interacting with someone. And
0: there was somebody with Alice. Do you remember when Alice was oh, prospecting? Dude, they, were, us? they were great. Dude. That, whoever good. that sales developer was, I don't remember who that Her was. Name's Melissa did. She was fantastic. Amazing.
1: Yeah. Now we didn't end up buying the product, but she was amazing, and it's a very good product. But I remember, you, didn't, didn't she reach out to you first and start engaging with you? She, she hit how many people?
0: Yeah, I mean, she hit me up. I know that she hit you up. I know that she hit our CRO up. I know that she hit, she hit our uh, CMO up because she, one sales developer, I mean, you got to think, this was nice at the time, was like a 5,000 person company. Mm-hmm. And one sales developer created a buzz at all levels. Like there was no chance we weren't having a meeting with them right? Because she did such a fantastic job of circling the organization, being very personal with each person at each level. And Alice, for those that don't know, it is a like gifting platform. Yeah, And so there were various personalized and specific gifts sent to our CMO, to our CRO. Our CMO is a huge Michigan fan. So I think he got like something from Michigan. Mm -hmm. And then I can't remember what everybody got, but it it was really good.
1: It's powerful. I mean, and when you think about Everywhere you turn around, you see somebody who's, who's prospecting you and creating this buzz. What she did effectively, and she used things like video is that she created buzz inside the organization, which caused another touch, which was a second line touch. She caused other people to talk about her to each other. So Brett Tyson came to me and said, Hey, have you seen this company, Alice? You need to look at them. Randy Mm -hmm. Littleson went to you. Have you looked at this company? yeah because it's created another touch. so think about how powerful that is. if you're good enough with your tactics, someone in the company comes and says, "Hey, Ron, check this out." Sure enough, I later got the video from her, did a great job. Yeah. she got an opportunity We got right into a sales cycle. It was powerful but you know some of these tactics are expensive' yep. high time investment you know there's a lot of things we were we were just covering off on, but that's not every cadence. you're not doing that with every. No, I mean. Every, every cadence or sequence. You're, I mean, what, what are the different types of cadence and sequences?
0: Yeah, I mean, you got to think about this, right? Like there are multiple types of sequences that you should use. There should be hot sequences. Those would be the really high touch. I know it's the right person. I know it's an account that's in market. You're seeing a lot of intent from them. Those would be your hot sequences where it's the right person. You're just really hammering it out. You're calling them more frequently or maybe spending a little extra money to get in front of them. Then there's more of your warm sequences, which are like, you know, maybe some intent, but not a lot. You don't know if it's the right person, but it but it seems like the right title. And then there's cold sequences where maybe you're not seeing any intent, but that's a strong fit for the company. Right. Like it's someone that you want to sell into, but you're not seeing intent. You don't want to spend as much money or focus or time on that, but it still is worth occasional reach outs. Each one of those is going to get a different level of touches. It's going to get probably less touches that take a lot of time. Like phone calls take time. Sending a written letter takes a lot of time. A lot of time. And so stuff like that would probably be reserved for hot sequences or cadences. But, you know, beyond that, there are other types of cadences as well that we use, right? There's nurture cadences. There's event cadences that people use. There's, you know, inbound sequences that are based upon tactics, As an example, so if someone fills out a form, you would use a different, you know, maybe some different messaging than if they attended a a webinar, right? As an example, and that would be kind of a different type of sequence. There's also one thing that we're really getting big into right now is intent-based sequences. So we're saying like, hey, what is the keyword that they're searching for intent on? Right. And I'm going to use that to create a sequence. But with all of these sequences that can exist... It can create a serious problem. There was a point where I realized that looking at our sales engagement platform, that there was like 4,800 sequences. Wow. And I was like, holy cow. No wonder sales developers are confused, right? Like it's, it's hard to decide what should I do and when should I do it? When should I be adding people to what sequence, right? Yeah.
1: Because um, everybody's creating it. You've yeah, got marketing's I mean, creating some sales creating some. You've got sales developers, everybody's everybody. Creating reps, everybody. Them, yeah.
0: And then like what happens is it's hard to really know what is and isn't working because we're not consistently using something long enough to know is this an effective cadence or is it not an effective cadence? Because every third day, someone created a new sequence that's like, oh, let's try this. You know, and people, oh, yeah, I'm going to try that, too, because so-and-so is using it. And he's a great performer. And so they start really trading these sequences and these cadences. It creates a lot of mass confusion. So I will say there are a lot of different sequences that you should create and you should use for various reasons. But you need to be really careful about how many you're trying to use at a given time. And you also have to be really careful about what the sequence demands. Yeah, right rusty like a certain sequence will demand a call every day i can't do that with 500 leads no it's not possible i'm going to end up in a situation where i'm so behind on my steps that it's impossible to catch up so overall those are the types of sequences you just have to be really careful about when you use them overall
1: yeah and i would say too is as you work as an organization this is an organizational strategy At the beginning of this podcast where I was talking about how this can create conflict in an organization, conflict can be great in an organization because it forces people to collaborate, work together, and try to generate the best product. And you do have different kinds of cadences for specific ABM campaigns, your high value, your mid value, your low value, you have all these different things you can create, but you can orchestrate it all together. And you can also step back even further and you can orchestrate it as a broader strategy like we were talking about with Derek Keller and Randy Littleson. When you coordinate together, you can have a much broader master sequence of how you approach accounts over, over a year period. And then you break that down all the way into each sequence and case you're creating. But you do have to be careful not to allow just anyone to just start throwing stuff together. I mean, it does take a lot of thought planning and strategy on how you build them. The end result seems simple. You know, this cadence is a simple message. This email is a simple message. And we'll talk more about that messaging. But it seems simple. I can do that. But then other people start building it. And you start getting all these, these yeah. wild hairs that just go everywhere. And the, and the next
0: thing you know, you've got,
1: you've got a mess on your hands and it's not working.
0: I'd be really careful. What I recommend is every sequence, every email that goes out, every voicemail that you leave, should have some form of customization, some personalization included Mm -hmm. in each of those things. And some of the most successful reps I've known, including myself as a rep, which I did quite well as a sales developer, was I kept it really simple. I only had one or two sequences that Mm -hmm. I would use. But that sequence, every email in that sequence had a placeholder for personalization. And I would look at keywords that were surging. I would look at what event they may be attended or what form they filled out. Right. And I would just add some personalization and we at Conga right now, one thing I encourage my team is the 1080 10 rule. The first 10% and the last 10% should be personalized. The middle 80% of emails can be templated. Right. But the 1080 10 rule got, really got me pretty far because it felt like it was personalized because it was, and it was very specific to what their needs were or what I was seeing the intent was. But I didn't have to create 700 sequences for the, the various things that could happen or the various events that were occurring, right? Because marketing alone has hundreds of tactics that they're using between the number of paper lead programs they buy from and the number of, of white papers that can be downloaded and the number of conferences and trade shows that we attend or webinars that we put on, every single one of those could warrant its own sequence, but mm-hmm. it gets to be too much. Yeah. It's too much to stay organized with.
1: Yeah. And you've got to think, you got to move with speed. Yep, You have to be able to get people to engage and know how to take just a couple of steps to put it in the right category. It starts getting too complicated, then yeah, then it gets wild. I mean, so it's a good not everybody
0: is like Rusty Jensen. Okay, Rusty, Rusty has this ability. For those of you that don't know him personally, I just recommend getting to know him. He has this ability, I tell him all the time, to make complicated things seem very simple. Like he can break something that's really complicated down and simplify it. That's not a, a skill that I have. It's not a skill that most people have. So if it's not already simplified, by the time it gets delivered to me or by the time it gets delivered to a salesperson or a sales developer or a rep, if it's not already simple at that form, you're gonna lose people from the outset. Mm-hmm. Because what happens when we feel like, oh, this is so complicated, is our minds have a tendency to retreat. Like, ooh, I don't know that I wanna deal with that. I don't know that I wanna go through all that problem for whatever reason to decide what sequence I'm putting someone in. And so what they do is, is you start to lose adoption when things become overly complicated, unless you have a bunch of rusty Jensen's at your company, which I guarantee you don't, uh, <laughs> but, but overall, right. Well, oh, thanks, Ron.
1: I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. It's but. a good,
0: it's a good thing. I love like, it's, it's funny, couple different situations I've been in where we've, uh, we've talked about like products that we sell, like even, at, you know, since Rusty's come over to Conga, I'm like, man, Rusty, you've taught me things about Conga that I didn't know. And I started here six months before, or five months before you or whatever, four months before you. And so he's like one month in teaching me about the stuff we sell. So there you go. That's fun. That's fun. Well, we talked about a couple of things like having too many
1: sequences and cadences is kind of can be chaotic mm-hmm. and it makes it difficult for salespeople and people to know where to engage. What are a couple other things, Ron, that, uh, that we need to watch
0: out for? That are common mistakes. Yeah. One huge one that I realized right when, you know, right when I started working at Conga was a start and stop mentality. So we had something called sales plays where we basically connected with marketing, created this partnership between marketing and sales development and sales and created some sequences. And they were all intended to start on day one and end on day 20. And day one, you needed to make these calls to these people. And day two, you send these emails, so forth and so on. Well, the challenge was, is a lot of sales developers were walking into day one with an already full pipeline. So they had a bunch of people that they were reaching out to already. So then they just stopped reaching out to all of those to start again with this totally new sequence with a new group of people. Mm -hmm. Right. And then after not getting some traction, because it takes six to nine touches before you start getting some traction and they weren't getting traction very quickly. They're like, oh, man, I'm going a few days without any responses. I'm going to go back to my old sequence and start doing some stuff there. yeah, Yeah. And it was it was creating this start and stop mentality. And it was actually even though we had this great collaboration amongst different groups, it was actually driving pipeline down. It was, it was causing some overall issues. And so I would say like start and stop mentality within sequences, you need to avoid that. So once you've started a sequence, just keep them in that sequence unless there's a very good reason to move them out. Because even if, if you have them in hot sequence one, right, maybe that's one that you have called, and then they attend an event, it doesn't mean you should pull them out of hot sequence one and put them in event sequence Right. Finish the sequence you're in unless it's a really good reason to move it like and a really good reason should be some form of two way communication should be really the only reason that you would make that kind of adjustment on the fly. Or if you have a realization that something in that sequence was was grossly wrong overall.
1: Yeah, you got to follow through on that motion, mm-hmm. right? Complete the full motion. It's, you can't be tentative in and out, in and out. You just you break all the momentum. And that's a really great point.
0: And it's amazing to see how that, how that can impact people's productivity. Yeah. And you got to also, I mentioned this earlier, but I'll repeat, like too many sequences are going to be too difficult to keep track of, unless you have some kind of rubric to decide what things you're putting into which sequence. And also you have to think about what it means for your day, unless you have some kind of a dialer of some kind, you're not making 500 to a thousand calls a day. Like that's not realistic. So I can't have sequences, all of my sequences demand a call every day if I'm planning on having 500 things in my sequence or, mm-hmm. in you know, 500 leads. If you have to call each thing every day, then the number of things that you should have in sequences should be the total amount of calls you can make in an individual day. So if you're making 60 calls a day, the most you can have in sequences is 60 leads.
1: Right. Or, or you break that consistency. And it's another, now you're
0: into a start and stop problem yep. again. Yep. You're skipping steps and, yep. you know, that's really not where you want to get to. Um, when we start to see people skipping steps and, you know, going a long periods of time without reach outs, because you're trying to cycle back to someone that you reached out originally, that's where we see really huge failure points for, for salespeople. And
1: when we talk about, when we talk about that story about Alice, like Melissa from Alice. Her reach out and her consistency was very consistent with multiple people. She was creating a buzz in an organization. Don't forget that's what you're doing. You're creating a buzz to get everybody to start talking about you, interacting with you, which can create a really great result.
0: Really great. Result. 100%. 100%. So, overall, I think the biggest things that you have to keep in mind is let's be creative, let's be fun with the sequences. But let's not get so creative that you can't keep track of what's going on right. in the world. Like you have to keep track of what's going on and optimizing your cadence you know, and making sure that you're being creative is sometimes going to require some testing. Walk me through, Rusty, like what you've done historically from a testing perspective to make sure that your sequences are or are not working so that you can make transitions appropriately.
1: Yeah, and I think it's important as a as a sales leadership and as a marketing organization, and even as if you're an individual contributor kind of running this yourself, to have a strategy to optimize your cadence performance. And it, you should always have an A and B testing scenario. You have to have a control. So you take what is working today, and it's a cadence. And usually it's a cadence or sequence type. So when you create a series of, of sequences or cadences, you're really creating a type that's very common, that's got a couple different components. This is the, the general messaging framework. This is our structure of tactics. This is our time frames, and you build a structure. And then you can use that structure and duplicate it across the company. So you might create a matrix and say, here are four personas, and then here are three verticals, Mm -hmm. or here are three different intent levels, or you you basically have a little matrix and you create maybe 12 versions of the same one. Each one has a little bit of personalization. Each one has a little bit of different messaging depending on the persona or the segment, but generally it's the same. That's, That's a controlled sequence. So first, when you go to create a new type of sequence or you want to create a variant, it's important to look at the performance of that sequence or cadence of each of the emails and steps and the different social components and also the cadence as a whole. How is it converting and making sure you understand and know that data? Mm -hmm. So then when you create another variant and you replicate that variant into another matrix, so you have maybe another five, six, seven versions, then compare the performance and see how they're operating. And you look at the total result of that cadence, and then you look at the total result of individual components, and you use data to make decisions. There's a tendency to rush into it and just make, oh, I feel like it should be this way. Or I don't really particularly feel like I like that messaging. It can't be that way. It's got to be data-driven. So take your control, and then make modifications and variations. And once you get a better version, that becomes your new future control. And then you use that, and you replicate it, And then you keep enhancing it. And over time, you'll see it evolve. And it's okay to take top performing people and to be able to collect their tactics. It's great to be able to to say, oh, yeah, this is good. This is working. This is is wonderful. But we have to be able to be executing the best tactics and duplicating and replicating them across the board with similar frameworks. So it's got to be controlled. Mm -hmm. And it's got to be controlled across the business, which takes work. And then lastly, I would just say just being consistent with it. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you want to see how cadence performs, you can only measure against those that are actually executed well and consistently. So make sure that your organization is doing that when you're doing any kind of compare, that they're equally
0: being used consistently. 100%. Awesome. Well, I just want to wrap this up, Rusty, and and just repeat a couple things. Personalization is key. Add some personalization, be real with people. You know, We've talked about this a lot, but they need to see a real raw human, someone that they can relate to. The only way to do that is through the personalization. The cadences that your marketing group helps you create or other people in your sales team, that's not you. Add an element of you to the emails you send and the voicemails you leave and the text messages and the social touches. They need that element of who you are. And be creative, be different, be someone that, that's not like every other person that reaches out, consistent, leaving multiple voicemails. Uh, but overall, if you do those things, then you're gonna find success.
1: Absolutely. And we've seen it again and again. And when you're creative and you're dynamic and you're pulling all the different options, you're creating it right, you're getting out of your comfort zone, you're doing the videos, you're willing to do it, you'll find a lot of success as an organization. And we thank everybody for listening to the Sales Prescription Podcast. Please find us everywhere that you listen to podcasts. You can see us on LinkedIn. You'll be able to get us on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, and every other favorite place you have. So please follow us and feel free to reach out to us. We're happy to help you. We're happy to help you and understand what kind of technology you need and give you great consulting on being successful because we want you to win because we love our listeners. <laughs>
0: Take care, everybody. Thanks, Ron.